Brewers, baby, are absolutely electric. The Brewers finished off the sweep of the Pirates, a 5-2 victory. Dan the Man, the Danimal, gave the Brewers a lead with a dinger. He's hot. Christian Yelich finished the scoring with a sack fly in the seventh, but it would be in the sixth inning where it was the difference for the Brewers. Brewers trailing 2-1 to one until Luis, now batting Luis Urias, tied the game with a triple. Two batters later, Avi Garcia drilled a two-run shot. He's now got 13 on the year, and the Brewers didn't look back. They have now won four straight games, 16 of their last 20, 11 games above 500. Also first place in the NL Central and have the tiebreaker over the Chicago Cubs for a first place with the series head-to-head battle 6-3 to three, to the edge to the Brewers. Boys, how are we feeling about the crew? <laughs> I did, I, I Sorry, liked, there's a lot of to get out there. <laughs> I liked um, Pat Murphy's comments. Oh, and by the way, Craig Council not managing yesterday because he was uh, having his son graduate. I liked Brad Murphy's comments. Uh, not Brad Murphy. Pat. Pat Murphy. Brad Murphy's the former coach of West. Don't and don't um, forget about Murphy Lee. What the hook gonna uh, be? Pat Murphy, who's like, we haven't done anything different. We're just winning. <laughs> so that tells me, even though I think they have done something different, either whether it's, hey guys, don't listen to Andy Haynes because we're gonna start working counts rather than being really aggressive and just striking out a lot. You've seen walks go up. You've seen guys have better approaches at the plate. Now, granted. It's still a lot of guys who haven't been in the system under Andy Haynes for three years. Dude, it's all Willie Adamas has been the spark plug for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Maybe they haven't been doing anything too differently, but we've talked about how the level of competition is going down in this month. Teams yes. aren't as good. But like you said, RJ, you're seeing a lot more guys starting to put better at bats together. Right. Big like time. Luis Urias. You have Willie Adamas. Those two guys, in my opinion, have been the two guys that have been putting much better at bats together than yeah. where they were three weeks ago. And you're still second to last in the league in batting team batting average. So. Well, the, well, the thing to Rowdy's point, what they're doing differently is that it's the the level of competition. The month of June, they can really start hammering on guys. Yeah, I mean the what everyone's below 500 besides the Cubs. If anything, right. it gives you it's like a it's like a snowball effect. If anything, it gives you it gives the players confidence. Because they're starting to win some games, even if it happens to be against lesser teams, but they're all professional. Yeah. And hopefully the confidence continues to keep rolling and rolls into July after they've completed this uh, their easiest month of the season. So check this yeah. out. Yesterday, I, I didn't realize this. It was Christian Bobblehead Day yesterday. Well, this always happens. It's it And he was a pinch like, hitter. Yeah. yeah. It always <laughs> seems like whenever it's someone's bobblehead on a Sunday, they always get that day off. Well, Yelly on Saturday was a beast. But Sunday, Yelly, it says bobble. That's kind of sacrilegious, dude. You, it can't be your bobblehead day and you don't even play or come in late in the game as a pinch hitter. That's kind of people aren't there to see you. They're there to get your bobblehead. Yeah, and Craig, well, Craig Council's like he's off watching his son, you know, for graduation. And Pat Murphy's like, we're not playing him. We're not playing. Sorry, we're not. Eh? I don't care. We're not playing. Him. <laughs> is this bobblehead day? We're not playing. Him. And Yelich, <laughs> Yelich, the last few games is starting to produce again. Yeah, he's batting two forty eight now. But then at times you're seeing some of those at bats where he's not getting hits, but he's putting the ball in play. I mean, he's still taking a lot of walks. His it his at bats over the last month, as well as Urias and um, Adamas, have all looked better. Yeah. Obviously, Garcia is the one that's continuing to produce. 
even though he's hitting about where you would figure he'd hit at. And, uh, yeah, you look around. If those four players continue to do what they do or continue to uh, look better, the offense is obviously going to be better. And that's what they've done so far in the month of June. I mean, they've they've won every single series they've had in the month of June, including two sweeps. Well, the fact that Pat Murphy says we're not doing anything different, we're just winning games, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pirates doubled up the Brewers on hits. The Pirates had 10 hits. The Brewers had five. Despite that, Brewers win 5-2 to because they're just living and dying by that long ball, man. The, you know, I know Luis Urias had that triple to break things up uh, open. But the Brewers, despite being out hit 10-5, to Milwaukee's now won for the 14th time in 16 games, seven in a row at home. And, Browdy, your buddy Brent Suter picked up the win. Yeah. And I hope he one, slugged that, uh, that reusable water bottle. And, and once again, Brent Suter comes in in a situation where he allows the inherited runners to all score <laughs> <laughs> so that it doesn't affect his ERA. So Hauser's like, dude, what, what the hell, dude? Come, <laughs> Come on, on, man. Come on, bro. And then winds up finding his way into a win. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the bullpen, they, I dude, think it's finally nice to see that Boxberger, Williams, and Hader, those three guys have now clearly emerged as your your uh, late-inning guys, and they're all starting to yeah, uh, pitch well. And by pitch well, I'm talking more or less Boxberger and Williams because Hader's been absolute fire all season. You know we're still going to see Suter in there well, during dude, one of those ju- innings at uh, some point. The, from the bullpen, <laughs> the bullpen started that when we were entering the season, it was this is the strength of the Brewers was the bullpen. Then as the season started to get underway, we're like, oh, my God, the, this is not a strength of the Brewers. In fact, is bad. Saturday, the bullpen, because Adrian Hauser was not his best on Saturday. The bullpen came in and was lights out for Hauser. There's a bit what bases were loaded. Burns. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Bur- what did I say? Hauser. Oh, sorry. Hauser Hauser's yesterday. yesterday. Burns on Saturday. Excuse me. Burns was good at the plate. Bur- yes, he did with his stick. He got <laughs> things going for the Brewers. Uh, what was that? The second inning with the hit from Burnsy. But it, Burnsy was not good on sa- uh, Saturday. The bullpen came, though, and was absolutely electric. And then yesterday, the bullpen was good again. Yeah, well, the bullpen... Besides for that little last, part for Suter. Over the last two weeks, if you looked at the bullpen throughout the entire year, like you said, we thought they were going to be a top 10 bullpen in the league coming in. Then you had some injuries. You had some guys that, uh, well, were underperforming for the most part outside of J.P. Fireisen, which they traded. Yeah, he's gone. And then uh, that first month, they were a bottom five bullpen in in the league and you're like wow this this is kind of tough like, oh, outside oh, oh, oh. of Josh Hader there really wasn't anybody and then all of a sudden they climbed into that you know bottom 10 to 8 range well over the last week or so Milwaukee's now creeping up towards the middle of the pack uh last as after all the games last night officially the 17th best bullpen so nearly in the middle wow Look at that. Well, it's two games in a row where the starting pitcher gets tabbed for uh, the earned runs, and then the bullpen comes in and puts up zeros everywhere. So well, how it's about, nice to uh, see. Hater's 17th save, too. You mentioned the, the Corbin Burns game, where that was by far the worst Corbin Burns has looked all year. Couldn't consistently throw strikes and was putting a lot of guys on base. They end up He doesn't even end up getting to the fifth inning. Yeah. And they bring in Trevor Richards who Trevor Richards comes in and strikes out the side. Was that with bases loaded? With bases loaded, yeah. had nobody out. He was balling. And he's, he strikes out the side. Flamethrower. That was huge. Flamethrower, Rowdy. It was huge. It was awesome. It's nice to see this. you can rely on this bullpen. Now everything's uh, – can can we say we can rely? 
on the sticks? I mean, the bullpen, you're looking to see you can rely on it. The no, starting pitcher, you, you just talked about how the Brewers won 5-2, to two, With but the hits, Pirates had 10 hits, hits and, five and the Brewers ten. only had 5. It's the same thing in the Diamondbacks series. Like, the Diamondbacks were hitting everybody. They just... The Brewers have been, runs the Brewers the been having timely hits, just, yeah. just not a lot of hits, right. but timely and, hits. And still, like, and we had it in the group chat. I pointed out they have two hits, and then this guy who's 0-4 with a 7.29 ERA is making the Brewers look silly. I do want to say this one thing, though. Say it. Especially at the in some of these games the last three weeks where they're winning all of these uh, games. Did something change with the numbers where all of a sudden you're starting to see them lay down some bunts? It had to have. Had run, to. run some. Either that or they took the power out of Andy. Like, boys, it, boys, it, you're missing why. Like, you're missing it. You're you missing it. You're you could say it. that it's not the hitting coach because it's the t- the the you're, philosophy of the, the you're whole missing system. Why? why? More evidence that everyone listens to this show because we have been talking in not screaming, but from like we're like we're like Devonte Adams saying we have Aaron Rodgers back from the mountaintops. We've been saying, why don't you try some bunting once in a while? More evidence than Andy Haynes and the crew listens to the show and or, or caller Tommy. Or, or I feel like the only person that can't bunt right now is uh, Anderson. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> but but it was like they're a little bit more aggressive out on the bases. They've laid a few more bunts down here and there, and it's worked. Yeah. And it's worked a lot better than when you'd have, like, say, guys on second and third with one out, and or first and second with one out or no outs, and all of a sudden just completely whiffing and whiffing and whiffing, yeah, and <laughs> continuing to strand runners on base. Like, look at yesterday. Yesterday, outside of the Avisel Garcia home run, they manufactured all those other three runs. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like they figured out. Oh, we don't have a team full of home run hitters. We can't play this way. Hmm. Like I believe it Those was Those boys on over the line were right. <laughs> Manny Pena led off with a double. Yeah. And now Jackie Bradley Jr. being a left-handed hitter rolls over to the right side of the infield, moves him to third, and then Yelich comes in and pinch hits and yep. hits a sack fly. Like that's that's how you get it done without getting a hit. I, I did like how they pointed out they hit for the team cycle in order. First hit was a single, <laughs> second hit was a double. That's impressive. Their third hit was a triple, and then, and then the, the home, home run, run from Avi Garcia. Yeah, look at that. That's that's nice. All right, we got some uh, we got some more to talk about with the uh, the Brewers, dude. How hot are the Brewers right now? Is that why it's been so hot out here with the weather, the temperature? The Brewers have won sixteen of twenty in their last ten. They're nine and one. They're eleven games above five hundred. It's a beautiful thing, dude. It is a beautiful thing. And they did it yesterday without their manager, Craig Council. How about that, too? Pat Mur- Murphy stepping in. Remember how about probably a week or two ago we were talking about potential moves that the Brewers would have to make at the All-Star break? Yeah. And, you know, obviously we were talking about first base. We were talking about third base. We were talking about adding some relievers. Well, did you see the Brewers actually did add a reliever? Who they get? They, uh... Traded for Hunter Strickland. Well, they was for cash. Yeah, it was for it was yeah. cash because he was uh, placed on waivers by the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, and then they came up with a, a trade with the Milwaukee Brewers, and it was just basically for cash. Location, location, out of the bullpen. Which Hunter Strickland for the San Francisco Giants? Man, probably now three four years ago was it's, pretty good. It's been a minute. What did he say? Thirty two years old. 
Now, uh, now, right now, it's basically just some depth and uh, hoping he can find his uh, his form again, like he was with the San Francisco Giants. But that, yeah, that was the first. The Brewers have been trading quite a bit so far this year. The Brewers have made three, yeah. or four trades already this year. Uh, we're gonna get to that. I gotta get to the phones here, but real quick, uh, our guy RJ says, "Damn, I was running some errands. What did I miss?" Um. RJ, I'm not even going to describe to you what you missed. I don't want to relive it. Let's go back to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Star Trek board. Thank you for that. Fantastic phone call. Star Trek 4, the search for Spock. I'm more of a Wrath of Khan man myself, Star Trek 3. But yeah, Rowdy, Hunter Strickland, uh, you were just talking about, obviously, World Series winners with the Giants in 2014 and the Nats in 2019. Across 307 career appearances, he owns a 3.29 ERA, 276 innings pitched. Um, and let's see here. Started 2021 with Tampa Bay, pitched well, had a 1.69 ERA with 16 innings. His contract was then purchased by the Angels in May, but his produ- uh, production cratered uh, after the transaction. He made nine appearances, but only tallied six and one-third innings, yielding seven earned runs with four strikeouts and four walks. He then was DFA'd. On June 7th, and now he's a Milwaukee Brewer a week later. Yeah, and if you look at his career timeline from 14 through 18, pretty good reliever. He was a guy that uh, was a later inning bullpen guy for the San Francisco Giants at that time. And I believe at one point he was even a, a closer for part of the season. But yeah, basically since 2019, there's been a lot more to be desired with Hunter Strickland's career once he hit the age of 30. But hey, this is a cash deal, right? If you get a Hunter Strickland, like, you know, if he harken, you know, turns back to hands of time a little bit, it's just, it's all good, right? Well, it's all, it's a win win if he, even if you can just get him back to how he was pitching with the Rays earlier this yeah, season, 2021, this year. And again, it's not like he's worth a ton of money. It's not like they're on the hook for a lot of money here. It's a, Cheap deal. You didn't have to give anyone up, and it's a it's another veteran relief pitcher that'll add depth to the Brewers' pitching staff. And at the same time, you're hoping that he can find his form because if he does, that that just adds another good reliever to your bullpen. Yeah, which we talked about a little earlier seems to to be getting more in line with what uh, we thought the Brewers' bullpen could be as you now have Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter now emerging your 7-8-9. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen been lights out Saturday. Uh, they were phenomenal. Yesterday, phenomenal. I do have to make the, uh, a correction. The King, you are right. I did botch my Star Trek movie order. The Wrath of Khan is actually number two. Search for Spock is number three. Oh, yeah. I mixed up the order there. Well, I didn't mix it up. I just had the wrong number onto it. I'm more of a Wrath of Khan. Revenge is a dish best served cold. Number two. The search for Spock, still incredible. Just number three. There you go. Research department and the king, keeping me honest. All right, check this out. Game six. Darren Ravel just tweeted this out. Game six of the 1998 NBA Finals. He says will forever be the most watched basketball game of all time. 72 million people, 26% of the U.S. population at the time, watched at least some part of Game 6 of the 98 NBA Finals. Michael Jordan hits the shot. Is that the Jordan push? Yep. That's the push. Good morning, RJ. Morning. The reason why I bring it up is I was going to ask you guys. 
Did you watch the Bucks game? How much stuff with the Bucks game did you watch yesterday? However much time was left when the Brewer game ended. <laughs> Rowdy, same as you? Yeah, I'm a, I was on the exact same wavelength as RJ here. I pretty much watched the entire Brewer game and then flipped it over to the Bucks with like, I think it was like eight or nine minutes left. So for me, I unfortunately don't get legally the Milwaukee Brewers because of Bali sports. So I was watching the majority of the Milwaukee Bucks game. Oh, look at you. On my laptop, did I did. Flip over to the hockey at all? That oh, was no. on NBC. I unfortunately did not. But on my laptop, I did have, I, 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 I was able to find something for the Milwaukee Brewers. I won't tell you where it was or how I found it. But okay. let's just let's just say let's just say I had I had it on the laptop, but it was in the second quarter, when Giannis Antetokounmpo was standing under the rim, just looking up at the basket. Uh, I forget who had shot the ball, and Giannis was there to, to try and rebound it. Might have been Kyrie. Uh, someone else shot it. Giannis is literally just standing there, looking up at the rim, waiting to you know see where the ball bounces so he can jump up to get the rebound, and said Kyrie Irving who is behind Giannis Nakumbo jumps up, and then as he lands, Giannis, who had no idea he was behind him, Kyrie's foot lands on Giannis's foot, and Kyrie lands weird, tweaks his ankle, and then immediately is done. And Jeff Van Gundy went on a tirade of how Giannis Adendakumbo should be addressed a flagrant run a flagrant a flagrant one excuse me foul. Okay, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> a flagrant one foul. Say that three times fast. And if they weren't doing to do it, then retroactively the NBA will come back and give him a flagrant one. For standing there. For, st- for being, I guess I think it was Kyrie that shot the ball, actually. Yeah. For impeding where it is. He didn't, he didn't move under him. He didn't even know he was there. Yeah. Like, Giannis literally was, had his back to him. And then later on in the game. I thought game, that was only for a shooter, too, by the way. It's, listen, Jeff Van Gundy went on a tirade about it. And then they came back to it to talk about how the NBA should give them, after they review it, once the game is over, a flagrant foul. And then you see later in the game, our guy Planet Pat gets absolutely obliterated in the face with an elbow, left bloodied and dead on the baseline, bleeding everywhere, bleeding, bleeding. And Jeff Van Gundy's like, ah, no issues, sir. Well, it's the same where... Uh, no issues, sir. I, I don't know, because, you know, I did a couple flipbacks just to check the score, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it was just score and then back to the Brewer game. So I... I don't remember if this was on just flipping back and forth or if fourth quarter. There was a shot Kevin Durant took where the guy who was setting the screen for him was set. Kevin Durant didn't go to the opposite side of him to use him. And P.J. Tucker comes barreling in. The guy walks forward into P.J. Tucker, who... Makes the contact, also makes a little bit of contact with uh, Durant because of this. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a moving pick. Uh, There are a couple of those in this entire series. To to go along with uh, Tom, who called in, was like, can't watch it because of the seven steps and all that. Don't call moving picks anymore. (laughs) Uh, The guy could, like, you know, be setting the block. And from half court all the way down to to the hoop if he wanted to. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's... And yeah, that they were fine with that too. It was like perfect block. He's trying to run through him like a linebacker. I'm like, what? There was a time. I, I, there was one where Blake Griffin uh, was uh, stood there and just shouldered the hell out of PJ Tucker to take down PJ Tucker. And Tucker was laying down on the sideline for a while. Uh, eventually, came back into the game. Yeah. But uh, it was it's getting pretty physical out there. Uh, so I much like in the fact, it. huh? I like it. I like it too. 
I, I definitely like the physicality of it. It's like the it's like hearkening back to the '90s basketball, man. So I kind of brought up that uh, Darren Ravel thing of uh, ninety, however, seventy-two million people watching the '98, you know, Game Six. I don't think that many people watched Game Four yesterday of the Bucks Nets, no. but it was. Uh, so yeah. Does that mean the '98 Game Six Finals was like yesterday or something? Uh, he, I don't know. He just literally just tweeted it out like okay. a couple of minutes ago. Oh, or today. yeah. Even in that Suns Nuggets series, there's been some hard fouls. Yeah. Yeah, I like the I like the physicality of it. Um, yeah. Is there any coincidence that uh, some of these second round series are getting pretty physical, and I guess you would say for some people more exciting basketball? Is there any coincidence that LeBron James is already out? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny, dude. That was just a bubble team. Yeah. Uh, speaking of physical, yes, it was. Speaking of physicality, the fact that PJ Tucker is out there just. No, he's not. He's not manhandling. He's not. He's he is manhandling Kevin Durant per se. Look what Kevin Durant. I know Kevin Durant still scored twenty eight points. That was the most of anyone on the Nets because he kind of had to. He's literally the only guy left that's an All Star, uh, unless you count like Blake Griffin from a you know the before time. Kevin Durant plays forty two minutes. PJ Tucker is on him for a lot of that. PJ Tucker only was on the court for twenty nine minutes, but you know he was had the task of stopping Kevin Durant. KD, who has not played that good as of late, and I think you got to give a lot of credit, obviously, to P.J. Tucker. KD, 28 points, 9 of 25. 9 of 25. He'd have 25 shots for 28 points. Three-point land, 1 of 8. He did hit uh, all but one of his free throws, 9 for 10. But his plus-minus, KD's, negative 23. P.J. Tucker is on him like white on rice, dude, and it is it is fun to watch. I love the fact that uh, P.J. Tucker, some guy that when Nelly and I were talking about coming into the series, who was going to guard, guard KD? What were we saying, like Giannis and stuff, Rowdy? Yeah, mine, Giannis might have to, maybe some Chris Middleton. I don't. Uh, P.J. Tucker was never discussed. No, <laughs> P.J. Tucker has just been tenacious uh, on Kevin Durant. P.J. Tucker also big on the scoring when needed to. Been yesterday. so good. He's gotten Durant's bodyguard kicked out. Exactly. Durant's bodyguard no longer allowed to come to Milwaukee or be in the Pfizer Forum. Was there ever a flagrant or a technical foul called on the bench since he, that man was a Nets employee? I don't think so. And he left the bench? I don't Now, is it that specific bodyguard or is it um, just the definition of Kevin Durant's bodyguard? No, it was, it was that. It was the, they <laughs> so even he, named so him. He can, or is it the idea? <laughs> <laughs> they named him. They named him who he was and everything. And then Drew Holiday is like, I know him. I'd have to go look up the article. Drew Holiday's like, <laughs> Drew Holiday's like, I know KD. I know his bodyguard. They're actually cool dudes, but they shouldn't have uh, escalated it like that. He's no. like, I don't see a big issue here. But uh, PJ Tucker is just like, yeah, man, I don't see an issue either. But you can't be running in, pushing me around, yada yada yada. That's no different than a fan throwing something at people. Uh, I gotta look it up. Like a bunch of the guys are like, PJ Tucker's like, hey, I'm like kind of buddies with Kevin Durant, but when we play basketball, we jaw at each other, we talk. People need to know that about us. Yeah, that's like. The, the old school mentality when, uh, uh, oh, who, uh, what's the guy from Boston? Old Bill Russell and oh, um, Will Chamberlain yeah. would go out for dinner and all that, and then they'd beat the hell out of each other <laughs> between the lines, and then game's done, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> That's funny. So here's a little bit. Kevin Durant, uh, whose personal bodyguard, who is on the Nets payroll, was what the guy who charged in there, and now he is banned from the Pfizer form. 
of coming back. That is so funny, and, but man. But yet the NBA hasn't taken any action on of a Nets employee running onto the court. When when the malice in the palace happened, that became a technical foul, and it was not called. That's dude malice at the palace. I honestly thought that P.J. Tucker was going to swing on Kevin Durant real quick on game three. He was not. He had his hands at his hips. But here's the oh, thing. Never mind. you got to be careful of Steve guys. Nash. Steve Nash had some things to say about P.J. Tucker's defense on Kevin Durant, saying it's beyond basketball now. It's basically devolving into like a fight. I I disagree. Come on, it's hand checking. I disagree. I definitely disagree. And, and people are used to that getting called a a foul in the regular season, but now hand checking and you know bodying him up a little more than usual is allowable. Yeah, Steve Nash just proves that he's never been in a fight. <laughs> if you were to look at Steve Nash, you could tell that guy's never been in a fight. Like, yeah. First of all, he's Canadian. Second of all, soccer player growing up. Soccer player, and third, thirdly, I'm gonna judge a book by its cover and say Steve Nash never thrown a punch. <laughs> well, and it makes sense if he's a soccer player growing up, he just transitioned into the NBA. <laughs> one flop to another. Yep, flop here, flop there. I, listen, I love Steve Nash. He's one of my favorite players growing up. But uh, let's be honest, Steve Nash. It's not, I'll have Nash's comments coming up. I'll have Mike Budenholzer's retorts. And we got to talk a little more about what's happening as there's a series shift. I can feel it. I'm going to put a poll out because Bucks in six, I guarantee he's going to win the poll. But I'm going to put it out just to reaffirm what I think is going to happen. Your Milwaukee Bucks, indeed, have tied the series to a piece after taking down the Brooklyn Nets yesterday afternoon, 107 to 96 at the Pfizer Forum. Second quarter. Kyrie Irving goes down. He lands awkwardly after kind of a jump. He he was behind Gian- Giannis. was looking up at the rim. Didn't realize Kyrie was behind him. Kyrie jumped up and then jumped sort of in front of Giannis. And then his foot hit Giannis's foot, rolled his ankle, and then had to be uh, escorted. Well, yeah, actually, he was, he was walking himself to the locker room. And then um, never came back, obviously, because it was a high ankle sprain. Steve Nash, the head coach for the Brooklyn Nets, says the x-rays came back negative. But I don't think uh, Kyrie Irving is going to be playing in Game 5 tomorrow night. And I don't think James Harden, who hasn't played yet outside of, what, like less than two minutes in Game 1, is going to be playing uh, Tuesday night at the Barclays Center. The Bucks. this is now the Bucks series to win, Rowdy and RJ. Oh, it has to be. This is it. It, it has to be. With how... With how awful Kevin Durant has shot the basketball the last two games. PJ Tucker, and maybe. Now all of a sudden, two of your top three players are out. And we talked about it after game one with James Harden. Depending on how bad that strain actually is, even if the Nets advance, he might be out for not only this round, but could be out for like the Eastern Conference Finals if it's really a bad strain. Because like look at some of the guys yep. that uh in baseball if they have a bad strain. That can lead them out for like six weeks sometimes. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. And then uh, now with Kyrie Irving having the ankle sprain, depending on how bad the actual ankle sprain is, that could be a game. That could maybe be a few games. Yeah. And what do we talk about? I don't think he's going to be ready for tomorrow. Then what did we talk about before the the series started? Talent wins in the NBA? Well, the Nets have all the talent or had more talent. Well, the but, all uh, on the when stuff, all the on talent the is hurt, you don't <laughs> yeah. have it anymore. Yeah, you have talent on paper, not on the court, though. It's, a, it's kind of amazing when you invest like all your money into three players and 
not all three can be on the court at the same time. Bucks and six. Flips. Still there. It's it's right there. Bucks and six. I mean, it's, Bucks are either going to win. If, if they win this thing, it's either going to be in six or seven. Can't win in six if you don't lose, lose two. two. So Bucks and six. Wow. It's right there. It's it it can happen and I can feel it's going to happen. I've I've felt the shift huge in momentum. Kevin Durant, as Rowdy was just saying, hasn't been able to shoot the ball that well because he's got the Kevin the KD stopper on him. Well he PJ Tucker. He couldn't miss in the first two games in Brooklyn. No. He was absolutely dominating. It didn't matter if it was PJ Tucker on him, Giannis, Chris Middleton, didn't matter. He was basically schooling all of them. Then all of a sudden they go to Milwaukee. He he has not looked like the same shooter. He has not looked like the Kevin Durant no, that was the assassin. No, and uh, I thought the Bucks were dead to rights after Game Two. Uh, yeah, same. So I think we all did. We were pretty upset. I even didn't feel. Waves. I didn't feel sure. very good about the Bucks and their odds, uh, even after Game Three, because I thought, man, for how bad Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant played, and Joe Harris couldn't hit any open shots. I go, only either team could have won Game Three, in my opinion. The Bucks just found a way to make a couple more baskets. Yeah, that was the difference. After yeah. that, I go. I didn't think that they could really play that much worse. AKA Durant and Irving and the and some of the role players. Well, now they're getting hurt and they continued to play bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. PJ PJ Tucker has been phenomenal on Kevin Durant after the game yesterday. Now Kevin Durant, he needed what was it, twenty five shots to get to twenty eight points. His plus minus KD was negative 23. PJ Tucker has been an animal on him ever since they got back to the Pfizer form. Steve Nash, the Brooklyn's Brooklyn Nets head coach, said, quote, about PJ Tucker. He's playing extremely physical and made it difficult. That's his role. I thought it was borderline physical non-basketball at times. But that's the playoffs. You, you had see, to adapt uh, and adjust. Sam Decker's dad. Responded to that a tweet like that? No, I did not. <laughs> and it's uh, Joe Kelly doing the little pouty face. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing. It is the playoffs, Steve Nash. And you, if anyone, should know all about the physicality getting ramped up in the playoffs as opposed to the regular season. He's saying P.J. Tucker was borderline physical non-basketball at times? At, at what point? Yeah. Any, if anything, it was Kevin Durant's bodyguard who was the physical non-basketball in yeah, Game 3 when I, he ran in and shoving people around. I don't understand because we've seen it for the longest time. They allow hand-checking. They allow getting in a guy's little bubble come playoff time. And then when it happens to a superstar and he and the coach start whining because they're not getting the call, I mean... No, and NBA players like to whine, it, especially the superstars. I'm... I'm really worried about what's going to happen in Space Jam 2. Cause like, <laughs> the monsters are going to bully. You know, it's it's going to be weird. <laughs> are you going to say something? Well, from what I've seen from P.J. Tucker, now, me and R.J. both said this earlier, I watched the last eight, nine minutes of the game because I was watching the Brewer game. So I've watched games one, two, three, and the last eight, nine minutes of four. <laughs> from what I've seen from P.J. Tucker when he's guarded Durant, he's been a little more physical than the normal NBA. He's been up in his grill, kind of like the annoying player. Yep. That's the tenacious, like the, like the annoying college uh, basketball player. That's like a, like the, I'm going to out hustle. I, mean, I don't have the skill as you. So I'm going to out hustle you. That yeah. Kind of and like RJ said, it's been more hand checking where it's just been a little bit more physical. 
which is more like the early 2000s and 90s type basketball. I would say if Steve Nash is going to go out there and say it's getting too physical to the point where it's not really basketball, I don't think I've seen the 1980 uh, bad boys with the Pistons out no. there. That's that's where they were throwing elbows, getting into f- legit fights, and throwing people on the ground. I haven't back, seen any Back of when that. elbows were legal, though. Yeah. The, the closest thing you saw to that, Rowdy, <laughs> was literally space. Kevin Durant's bodyguard. That's the closest we got to it. And that was yeah. assault. Yeah, that, that's assault. There brother. hasn't been anything close to that with no. P.J. Tucker. It's literally just been the annoying guy that's probably a little more physical than you would like. And hand checking you. I think what it is going to allow the hand checking. Why wouldn't you do it? I think what it is, is that uh, the NBA is so used to players not playing defense that when PJ Tucker clamps down on defense, they forgot what actual defense looks like. And they're like, that's much, much. That's not a basket. That's not basketball. The uh, NFL, the NBA has gone the way of the offense. And trust. And it's like, we know that Steve Nash isn't about defense. I mean, look at those Phoenix Suns teams they played on. Yeah. <laughs> those te- yeah. those teams were not about any defense whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, that I mean, and his coach from those teams is still on his staff. Yes, they don't. I mean, they play more defense than than we've seen from D'Antonio teams or D'Antoni. I forget which one. Yeah, you got it. Because you know, you got I, I get right. confused you got with it. the you old got Michigan it. State you coach. It. And yeah, they they were setting offensive records, but then they were only winning by like. Yeah. Single digit points because they'd win one thirty to one twenty five. <laughs> uh, let's see here, a guy on uh, Twitch.tv. I'm going to go to the phones here in one second. Critton two fourteen or twenty fourteen says Nash is just trying to get calls for game five. Yeah, you got to play the chess game. Can you feel the shift? Can you feel the momentum swing? Like this pair swinging right here, as the Bucks now have tied it up to a piece against the Brooklyn Nets. Bucks and six lives on, my friend. You can't win. You can't do Bucks and six if you lose two. Bucks just got it out of the way right away. That's all it was. Talk some Bucks coming up here. But real quick, Rowdy, I've had two people now message me about this. I'm going to show it to you first, and I'm going to explain it to uh, the fine folks over the radio airwaves. I'm going to show it to the Twitch stream real quick. Rowdy, do you see what this is right here in my hand? you see that a picture? that's a picture of? That is a sandbar. That is the sandbar. That's that the, looks like uh, the Mississippi. Nope that is that would be the Wisconsin. I was on the Mississippi River though Friday night. This is the 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 mighty Wisconsin River. This is the Lone Rock Bridge, Rowdy, and I've never seen the sandbar that big. Mother Nature begs for the sandbar fight. You versus Gilbert Brown versus the King versus Johnny. And versus anyone else that wants to throw down with Rowdy. Also, we have uh, the twins from Shano fighting, new to the stream, Thick Cheddar in a ladder match. We get to fight a partner for Thick Cheddar. And I think we had another fight out there, too. I forget exactly who it was. I think uh, we haven't heard from him in a while, but our guy KB from uh, Cottage Grove Road, he wanted to pin together, uh, it was a reporter from WKOW and another reporter from, I think, Channel 15. And have those two fight in the sandbar as a little prelim, a featherweight. But Rowdy, the sandbar is ready. Not only is my buddy sending me pictures of it, saying he's never seen it so low, our guy, the Cinderella man, says that it's the biggest he's ever seen it. You can pretty much walk to it from the Dodgeville side of the river. And he's he says it's going to go down. See, it's it's calling our name and all of our listeners' names. Yep. Oh, oh, and the other 
And the other fight was Charlie versus Sobriety on the sandbar. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Who do you think it is? Charlie. Are you, <laughs> I had no idea it was you. Actually, I kind of knew. Charlie, are you yeah, ready for the fight on the sandbar? Uh, a sandbar? What's that? Are you ready for the fight on the sandbar? Uh, you versus, you I, versus Sobriety. I, right, right now, I'm looking at Charlie Sheen and two and a half men on TV. I'm, I'm ready for, uh, no, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't even want to do a fight. I like my pizza bed, pizza, have a brewski, and mm. uh, I'm okay. Charlie, I feel like if you are on that sandbar and you fight sobriety, I feel like you are going to win, my friend. I don't want to hear about that sobriety crap. Well, that's okay? why you're going to win, Charlie. You're going to knock it out. I, I'm, 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 uh, you're going to knock it out with one punch. Mud Punch Nelson, Major Anthony Nelson, Mud Punch Nelson. <laughs> All right, well, Charlie, get ready because that's him. That fight of the sandbar's happening soon, baby. Give me Captain Kirk uh, out. Uh, Captain Kirk out. Thank you. Yeah, Char- Rowdy, that's gonna be like a, it's gonna be like a seven-second fight. Charlie versus Sobriety. I guarantee you right away, Charlie wins. We'll raise his hand in the air and we'll give him another beer. All right, there you go. Yeah, but then he'd also blow his knee out, but not necessarily blowing his <laughs> knee out. He would probably uh, blow his cable out because that's what seems to happen. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, uh, Rotary Live says, I live in Spring Green. Hell yeah, I can't wait for the fight. We got to make this happen. If it doesn't, I'm going to be sad. It's been in the works for quite some time. All right, Rowdy. Uh, another fight that we're seeing is uh, on the court. Well, according to Steve Nash, anyways, the Brooklyn Nets head coach. I know we talked about it a little bit. I have comments from Mike Budenholzer I want to play. But Steve Nash is proclaiming that what P.J. Tucker is doing to Kevin Durant is non-basketball physicality. Do you buy that? I really I really don't. Uh, obviously, it's more physical than what they're used to in today's NBA, but it's, it's not more than basketball. No. If anything, it's actually how defense should be played, and a lot of these NBA stars aren't used to someone actually playing defense on them. Well, things get ramped up in the playoffs. Uh, Steve Nash saying, <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't understand where he's coming from on this because, what, you're down to one star now? Kyrie Irving's out with a high ankle sprain. James Harden, he's got the hammy, and now you're literally just down to Kevin Durant? Yeah, and I can't believe you brought it up earlier with Van Gundy going off about Giannis should be, you know, cited with a, a foul for doing it with the Kyrie Irving uh, turning in his ankle. That is the most absurd thing ever. I, uh, the, one, the rule, the so rule dumb. that they have in the NBA so is dumb. stupid just in general. Correct. And it's supposed to be for shooters. But And I get why they have the rule, but it gets abused, right? Mm-hmm. Like how many times do you see a shooter where they like lean in or they somehow enter where the de- defensive player was in their own area and then they, they jump towards them and then come down yes. in that area and then they still get the whistle for it. It's such a it's so dumb. Like Giannis Dendekumbo And that's for a shooter. Yes. Kyrie was not shooting the basketball. Giannis Dendekumbo was literally standing there waiting for a rebound, looking up at the rim. Kyrie Irving jumps from behind Giannis. Doesn't he there's no way Giannis even sees him. And then he lands awkwardly on Giannis Dendekumbo. No, I take that back. Kyrie did shoot the ball. Giannis comes in, not even looking, and Kyrie then just because Kyrie's right by the basket, literally yeah, right by the basket. But when he shot the basketball and came down, wasn't the same play. Yeah, he's no longer a shooter. So Giannis comes in and he's just standing there looking to get the rebound. Kyrie just happens to just land awkwardly, you know, twist the ankle, and then Jeff Van Gundy's talking about how Giannis should be addressed a flagrant one. 
nonstop. He just lo- Jeff Van Gundy is losing his mind over it. Then later in the game, Planet Pat, Pat Connaughton, is coming in and just gets absolutely obliterated with an elbow. Uh, his his left left eyebrow, left bleeding, bloodied, and dead on the baseline. And Van Gundy is like, like the no call. Didn't nothing happen in there. He's literally there's blood all over the court. Planet Pat is like laying there, rolling on the ground as he's bleeding everywhere profusely. Jeff Van Gundy has got to go on a tirade about Giannis literally just standing there when Kyrie comes down, as opposed to Planet Pat. Looking like he got dropped a couple IQ points with the elbow to the face. Unbelievable, dude. So, Steve Nash is saying that, you know, P.J. Tucker's defense on um, Kevin Durant is non-basketball physicality. Mike Budenholzer had something to say about that. Real quick, let's go to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Welcome to the show. Who's this? Z in the D. Zach in the Dells. What's up? Nada. Just enjoyed my weekend. Had a wedding in Lancaster. Oh, beautiful. Lancaster, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's it's a quite the scenic ride down there. Yeah, Southwest Wisconsin stand up. Yeah. Um but yeah, and then had some baseball yesterday and yeah. How's uh so, how's the Wisconsin Dells uh, hometown team doing? We're we're struggling a little bit. Um you know, it sucks when some of your guys can't make it because in the place that we work at in Dells, a lot of guys either get called in the work on Sundays or mm-hmm. yeah, so or in the or in the, the uh, grips of addiction from the night before, huh? Yeah. No, we got to have workers. That's what this this town is. If you don't have workers, we're closing down. So yeah, but they're at the Dells. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. PJ Tucker, just keep playing your game. I mean, if anything, I get what Steve Nash is doing. He's protecting his players, but at the same point, he's got to understand that that's the NBA basketball in the playoffs is a totally different monster. I mean, well, I'm sure Steve Nash that, is trying to get calls for Game Five too. Yeah. And we all understand that. And we saw that coaches are going to coach and they're going to try to get as many calls as they can. Um, but, yeah, I, if I'm P.J. Tucker, I keep playing my game until he actually gets start, really gets start getting called. But you really don't want him to start getting foul trouble because he's the guy that's really slowing down Durant. So, um, But, yeah, Bucks tied it up 2-2. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Bucks and sexy in the D. Bucks and six. Let's go. See you, homie. You later, much love, much Peace. love, much love. Uh, welcome to the show. Who's this? And just like that. All right. So here's comments from Mike Budenholzer. Man, that guy's boost up. Not booty. Here's comments from Mike Budenholzer on responding to Steve Nash, saying that the Steve Nash saying that the it's non basketball physicality. Good. Here's Mike Budenholzer. Take a listen. Uh, he's just guarding him. If that's not basketball, I don't know what is. You know, we just got to keep the same mindset to guard them, to make everything tough. You know, so nothing changes. You know, it's just T- PJ's a, a very good individual defender, puts a lot of time in studying film work, understanding tendencies and those things. And yeah, it's just, it's just guarding. He's just guarding him. But I mean, would you be, su- would you be, were you surprised with what Budenholzer said there? No. Like coming, what do we know about Mike Budenholzer in his coaching? Doesn't make a whole lot of adjustments. Yep. Well, why would why would he change? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's just guard. He's just guarding him. Yeah, booty. Rowdy, do you think? Okay. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with this series right now, but I, the momentum has totally shifted now. It's all on the Bucks. From getting your asses handed to you by a thirty-nine point blowout a week ago today. 
to now having the series at two apiece. Were were we overreacting? And I mean, that's what Sports Talk Radio is all about. Were we overreacting though after that game two loss? I guess no one ever saw Kyrie I, Irving going down. But I, were we overreacting? I really don't think we were because the Bucks showed you that they weren't playing good basketball, and the Nets, even though they were short James Harden. They were playing really good basketball. They were making shots. Mm-hmm. And if the Nets were able to make a couple more shots in game three, yep. this series is three to nothing going into yesterday's game. The Bucks really, I mean, that game three was a wild one. Well, game that three. Was a, that was a shift. Game three was, was pivotal because all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, neither team really played that well here. Bucks found a way to win. Now... They have another game at home, and they can even this series up. But that takes all the wind out of your sails. Say if uh, Joe Harris hit that shot towards the end, which sure. he completely bricked it. For sure. Because then it obviously would have put the Nets in the driver's seat. And if they hold on to that game, being up three to nothing, you're a little deflated having to play in front of your home crowd instead of getting a win, which I think that also says something is the Milwaukee Bucks and their crowd and just the atmosphere down around the Pfizer Forum. Yeah. That might be giving the Bucks a little bit of energy because that uh, their deer deer district outside that thing's rocking, dude. Yeah, there's been a lot of people out there, and it's been a little. They're packed like sardines out there. You love to see it. Nature it's been is wild healing. out there. Yeah, it's been Liddy committee out there. Here's more from Mike Budenholzer saying they got to keep that same mindset as they go back to Brooklyn for uh, Game Five tomorrow night. Yeah, no, I mean it. It goes without saying. You know, you got to come home. You got to win. You know, keep your mind in a good place. Be ready to compete and play and. You know, so we just got to we got to stay there. We got to stay in that same mindset. Uh, he talks more about Irving, you know, getting hurt, but that's a blow to the Nets. You know, the great players make everything harder for you. So if Irving's there, you know, it just he tests you, makes it makes it uh, where you got to just you know compete and contest and things like that. Um, but scheme wise and so on and so forth, um, there's a lot of things that we do just night night in night out, try and build those habits. He also says uh, getting great contributions up and down that lineup. And at this stage, it's whatever it takes to win a game. And it's certainly, you know, when we got more guys contributing, making shots, you know, P.J. Tucker was phenomenal um, on both ends of the court. The guys finding him in the corners, finding Brooke in a corner three, and Pat hitting some threes, and Drew getting to the paint. Um, I think Drew had nine assists, and Chris had eight assists. So, you know, those guys, they're making good reads and good decisions. We just got to keep it up going forward. Well, and that was the difference in games one and two, mm-hmm. uh, and even even into three for the Bucks. Yeah, as PJ Tucker had a lot of open looks. He just brick, brick, brick. He just couldn't hit any shots. Yep. A lot of those guys had open looks in the first three games, and they couldn't make anything. And it was basically Giannis scoring inside, and I guess in in game three, obviously him and Middleton had huge games. Oh yeah, but outside of that, seventy nine percent of the points. Yeah, outside of outside of Giannis and Middleton having huge games in, in game three, and nobody being able to hit shots outside of that in games one, two, or even the guys around him in game three. It's nice that the Bucks finally started to get some good shooting because they needed it. Oh, big time! Oh yeah. Uh, let's see here, Giannis Dendekumbo, thirty eight minutes. 14 of 26. We don't. I won't read you the three-point and the free-throw attempts. One and five, five and ten. But Giannis had 34 points. Well, at what point Beast. does Boonholzer say to Giannis, if you have the ball outside of the uh, three-point arc, do not shoot it. Don't even think about shooting it. Yeah, Giannis, 
Do what you do best. Attack. Euro step around someone like a rondo and dunk it. Well, it's like when he pulls up for three, it's like, oh, you're already saying yourself before the ball's even. Brick City? Even up towards the, the rim, you're like, well, that's a waste of possession. Yeah. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey. Jesus freaking God almighty. Uh, I know who this is. Mike Budenholzer on Giannis' performance the last two games. I think Giannis has, you know, had two good games. You know, we've been back home. The group's played better at home. You know, I think his just seeing and, per, you know, participating in the ball movement, either initiating it or finishing it, just playing, you know, the group playing together. And he's just got to continue to make good reads and good decisions, whether he's got the ball or when he's spacing away from the ball and, and things like that. Is Mike Budenholzer going to be okay? Did you hear that voice of his? Mans must have been yelling nonstop uh, during that game. Jesus. Jesus, booty. Uh, he also talks on P.J. Tucker's defense on Durant. We heard the clip earlier of him just saying, he's just playing defense, man. I don't know what Steve Nash is talking about. Here is uh, more from Booty on P.J. P.J.'s just got to keep thinking, how can we do it going into the next game and just keep that mindset of just competing and contesting and making everything hard. You know, P.J.'s a veteran, you know, navigating a lot of screens. You know, he's getting hit a lot, but his physical toughness, his mental toughness, he's just got to keep coming and contest and make everything hard on, uh, on Durant. Durant, meet your maker, P.J. Tucker. That's the Durant stopper right there, Rowdy. Something I thought we'd never be saying. <laughs> I never thought we'd be talking about P.J. Tucker being the guy to take down Kevin Durant. Uh, he already took down Kevin Durant's bodyguard, as KD's bodyguard no longer allowed to even come into the Pfizer form after that Game 3 fiasco. Of <laughs> wild. I, just wild, dude. All right, but yeah. Bucks went from a, a throwing up, you know, an impromptu Masons convention to now even up the series. No more bricks for them. They're getting her done. Well, unless her name's Giannis Banda. Three-point uh, three liner charity stripe. But Bucks getting her done, man. Bucks in six lives. Love it. What a wild, wild, wild show today. We welcome in uh, new to the zone. It seems like we've known him forever now, though. Our guy, Ben Kenny. It's good. Hey, Ben, I'm what's happening, brother? Sprucing up the show. Yeah. My body's spent. It was hot as hell this weekend. Okay, Ben uh, was tasked. This was your first kind of official, you know, like big time out of the studio task for the zone and, you know, obviously the Bill Michaels experience network as well. So, Ben, you were down at American Family Championship at U Ridge for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I, You don't look burnt. You don't look like a lobster. So, you must have lathered yourself up with some SPF. Big time. So, you said your body is spent. I would imagine it's not because of. Uh, copious amounts of drinking, which you're 22. You probably could do that as well and still bounce back. All right. But in the sun, 90 degree heat with no cloud coverage for three days straight, got to be taxing on the body, but I assume well worth it for American family championship. Yeah. Well, for, I mean, it was taxing for me and I was just walking on the side and finding shade whenever I could. I still don't get why guys on the tour and on the champions tour have to wear pants. <laughs> like was that why John Daly had to tap out? He got like overheated and he had to like say I'm uh, well, out. Well, probably yeah. No, he played like six holes and then he was done. <laughs> John Daly's got like this love hate relationship with you Ridge and Amfam Championship because he's he totally. Um, we had an interview all set with him the first year they had it or that he was there, and then we just saw him. He's like walking like I thought towards us. Like, oh, here comes John Daly. Can't wait for the interview. And all of a sudden, he just kept walking. I'm like, well, oh, there goes John Daly in his St. Louis Cardinals pants. I'm like, John. And then I think he had some unsavory things to say about you, Ridge. I think he called it a rowdy. What did Daly say? Do you remember? I think he called it like a LPG. 
LPGA course. Yeah, he called oh, it LPGA. Come on. Yeah, I know. And then I'm like, daily, tiss, 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 tiss. Everyone something after, like that. Everyone after the rounds this weekend was saying it was like one of the best courses they've played. Well, I think daily on their tour this I year. I think daily was a little butt hurt because the night before that they kicked him out of the Hooters parking lot because he was because <laughs> at the time John Daly was going around all kinds Wait, of really? Hooters, yeah, and selling shirts. <laughs> he was selling his own merchandise from Hooters parking lots. No way. And I think the night before because there's like one remaining Hooters here in Wisconsin and it happens to be on the east side. I think they kicked him out of the parking lot. Now I'm I'm kind of making that part up, but I'm not making up the part of him hawking merchandise in Hooters parking lots. I don't know what happened on the east side one. But he's come back every year since and seemed to like it, so he's kind of like, you know, reversed his stance. But tell us about the sights and sounds as Jerry Kelly, the Madison native, wins, what, 14 under? Yeah, well, first of all, I was only starstruck by one person in the field, not Fred Couples or any of the golfers. John Smoltz was playing. I mean, how can you love Smoltz? I, I saw him, and I was the one dude where it was like larger than life. Like, what the hell is going on? That's John Smoltz. How tall is he? Tall. Like, Robert, what were you laughing at over there, Robert? Six two, six three. Yeah, John Daly... John Daly pulled out after day one. Yeah, yeah. well, he, uh, John Daly, I think he, he teed off the 10th tee. I think he double bogeyed like 12 or 13 and then birdied 16, you know, to kind of get back on track and then tripled 17 and then he was done. He's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. Here's the thing. I love, I love John Daly. He's like one of my favorite golfers of all time. And have you seen before my time? Have you seen his kid? Yes. Yeah. Lil John. Yeah. Lil John. John. (laughs) Yeah. He literally looks like John Daly, except he's in his, he's like a teenager. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. So give us the, besides Schmoltz, you know, absolutely balling on him. Um, what a beautiful course. I mean, I know you golfed that course, but what a beautiful course and what a great tournament, right? Like give us, give us the highs besides the temperature. I mean, it was awesome. It was the first big crowd I've seen at a sporting event live, uh, in two years. So that was sweet. Everybody was behind Jerry Kelly, understandably. He's from Madison. He won last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the groups towards the end on Sunday, it was Jerry Kelly, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Fred Couples, Jim Furyk, Ratif Goosen. So you had all so the all big the names. names. All the big names battling, and they were all within one shot of each other coming down the stretch. Who was leading into Sunday? It wasn't because it wasn't Kelly, right? Yeah, it was it was Jimenez. Okay. He, he led after the first round, he led after the second, but everyone was bunched up, and pretty much every single hole it was all swinging. So how did Kelly then make his, you know, his, his, I know he was bunched up there close, but how did he make his triumphant, you know, Sunday? Like, what did he do? What happened? Or did someone fall off at the end? No, not really. So he birdied nine to get to 10 under and that put him two back of Jimenez at the time who was at 12 under. So they all make the turn to 10. Then Kelly goes birdie on 11, birdie on 12, birdie on 14, and birdie on 16 to get to 14. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Jimenez was kind of stuck in neutral. He crazily missed this three-foot birdie putt on 15 after this crazy approach. So that kept him at 12, I believe. Um, and Couples was really the only one keeping up with Kelly at that point. Yeah, Couples birdied 16 to get to 13 under and then hit a dart on 17, the par three over the water to like three feet, birdied 17 to tie Kelly. So they're both 14 under going to the 18th tee. Kelly's in the group ahead. So Kelly's drive goes to the fairway. His approach isn't great. It's a little right. So he's in this rough with, I don't know, like three yards of green to work with. And, and he chips out of it with like a seven or an eight iron. Just like gets it started on the green and it rolls past the hole. So he, <laughs> oh, so, I saw that. They just replayed it on TV a little bit ago. I saw that actually. So he has. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, I Well, I was right next to him for that shot. And he he didn't really know like what to do. Cause it was so tough. Like he, he could have gone high and tried to stop it yeah. or just bump it on. So we had 13 feet left for par and he drilled it and, and the crowd, I mean, that was the biggest crowd reaction I heard. Like, like the crowd was pulling for him to win. Oh yeah. So he goes to the clubhouse at 14 under 
Couples, who's also at 14, uh, hits his drive left on 18. He's in the rough, but he's in a fine spot. His approach hits the green, sails over. And and the green was, all the greens were firm They're as hell. F- were they fast? Yeah, crazy fast. And especially on Sunday, like those guys just weren't hitting putts. Yeah. Like they were tough to read. They were fast. So Couples has this little, I don't know what club he had, but he had this little chip to pretty much get up and down to force a playoff. But he sails that. He, he kind of plays a bump and run, keeps it low, sails that past the hole. So then he has about 12, 13 feet for par and he misses. Wow. And then here it is. I see it. Uh, ben Z Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y, your champion. There's Jerry Kelly holding the trophy. One, the by far though, the highlight of the weekend. So stepping to the tee on Saturday, the final group was Furick and Jimenez were in the group together. So Furick steps to the tee and as he's walking from the putting green to the tee, all these little kids are asking him for autographs. I, know, I saw your picture. Yeah. yeah. So it was really cool. He was he was signing kids hats. Um, and then this one little girl, I think she was five years old, gives him a disposable water bottle. And, and he like laughs a little bit, but he signs it. Then Jimenez comes through with a cigar in his mouth, stepping up to the to the first tee, and she gets him to sign the water bottle too. It was he, awesome. That's awesome. And nothing better than smoking a stogie when you're out on the golf course, by the way. Legend. Yeah. I, like he, he probably led the tournament in swag. So <laughs> I love that. So when Kelly uh, finally made it official and won, um, he's such a nice, cool dude. I, I assume that he was very humble and grateful when he was uh, talking to reporters afterwards, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially for the fans. Yeah. Um, what like a great he, tournament. What, he, a, what a great experience. It, it was so cool. He went through and shook all the volunteers' hands. Like, he, I, I, I don't know him, obviously. He seems like such a good dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And uh, back to back for Jerry Kelly. Yeah. That's just so cool, man. So cool. I'm looking at Ben. If you want, Ben really documented it very well. Uh, on madcitysportsone.com. Some articles up there that are phenomenal. And also his Twitter account, Ben Z K E N N E Y. Give him a follow. Good stuff. I'm going out to play U Ridge in the next couple days, so we'll see how I score in those conditions. Well, Ben, Rowdy and I uh, have a charity golf outing today. Ooh. Registration at 11. We're Where? going to Hawks Landing. No way. Yeah. Any uh, words of advice for Nelly and I? Yeah. Play. I mean, on all the water holes, just lay up. I. I, I'm going for it. Then there's something in me that I physically can never lay up, That's especially fair. in a scramble. I just, I can't talk myself into ever laying up. But here's the thing. My game sucks so bad that even when I go for it, it's still considered a layup. That's fair. So it all works out. Ben, appreciate it, man. Awesome coverage. Awesome work. MadCitySportsZone.com. Our guy, Ben, crushing.